going to be in Colossians, and uh, Pastor Dave is uh, taking a Sunday off from speaking, and we're going to be focusing on kind of what we did this last week, which was Thanksgiving, and we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, 1 to 14. We're actually going to go 9 to 14. For this reason, since the day we heard of this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So you're having your morning coffee and you're looking out your window um, or maybe you're not looking out your window, you're just having your morning coffee in the kitchen and your kitchen's toward the front of your house and you hear a loud, like the sound of raised voices outside. So, so you, 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 you look out the window, you kind of just edge over and you look out the window you know that the young lady across the street has graduated from high school recently and, and that you're, you heard she was moving out. Um, so you hear the shouting and you, you peek out the window again and she's, she's got an armful of stuff and she's walking down the, down the pathway up to the house and she's got an armful of stuff and and dad is leaning out the door, and she's, she's yelling. They're yelling back and forth. There's a car running in the front of the house, and you can tell that it's kind of packed full of stuff, and somebody's in the driver's seat. Loud music is coming from it, and, and they're arguing back and forth. They're yelling and screaming. She's dropping stuff, and she's going to the car, and finally she just she gets into the car. She throws the last, last of the stuff in, and he's yelling and screaming, and she's yelling back and forth, and then she actually throws some stuff back out the window, slams the door, and the car peels out running. And you're thinking, that was goodbye. So, so, so just, like, like just kind of change scenes now and think for a minute about a dad, you, you, the same scenario. Uh, this time you're, you're drinking your coffee and you happen to be just waking up and looking out the window and you don't, you don't hear it, you just see it. You see uh, a dad walking his daughter down the driveway, down the, down the sidewalk. There's a car waiting in front. You can tell it's packed. You know that she graduated from high school and that she was going to be going away to school as well. And so he's walking her down the sidewalk, and they're just kind of chatting. And, and then he, he opens up the door. They, she, they give each other a hug. And, and he opens up the door, 
and he closes the door, and, and, and then the car starts driving away. And, and it's just this moment where you could tell uh, dad's, dad's saying goodbye. But then the car stops about just a, just a few feet from there as the dad is still standing there just kind of waving goodbye as the car is driving away. And, and the, the door opens and the daughter runs back and just hugs her dad. They just embrace for a moment. And you can see the dad just kind of like patting her head and she's, you can tell she's crying just by the body language. And, and you can tell also that he, he, he just, he just, you just see these words mouthed. And then she's, she's just got his, her head right here. And she gives him a kiss on the cheek. And then she, she walks back out, back out to the car. And he stands there as the car drives away. Two pictures of, of a response, two pictures of what, what a life of ingratitude to some degree or gratitude to another degree can, can be reflected by. Now, you don't know, you don't know what all, the, all the, the ins and outs of a way a story like that could mean and what it, what it implies. But one of the things, I, I do know this, one of the things we all long for is the second picture, right? That, that's the picture we're all hoping for. And we're hoping that if we ever have children, that we come to the time when, and we have children, we come to the time when we, we won't be seeing them for a little while, that we part in harmony, and we part in love, and we part uh, with joy, and we part with an attitude of thankfulness. A thankful spirit is what Paul prays for his friends who live in Colossae. A thankful spirit is what Paul prays for God's people, and that's what we read about giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance and the light. And the giving thanks thing is a continual present tense. It's not, it's not just a one-time giving thanks. It's a continually giving thanks. The word thanks, the Greek word thanks, is uh, I give thanks, or to give thanks, is eucharisto. Now, does that word sound familiar to you? If, if you... If you were raised in the church that I was raised in, when we went and took, took uh, what we call communion during, during worship time, we called that the Eucharist. And the communion wafer is referred to as the Eucharist. Eucharisto is the Greek word for giving thanks. And the idea is that the, what Jesus has done, the works that Jesus accomplished for us, is at the core part of why and who we are as thankful people. Why is thanksgiving such a big deal? The Hebrew word for thanksgiving is hillel. And hillel uh, focuses on two ideas. One is giving thanks, and the other one is giving praise. 
So, so if, and, so, and so if you think of some of the times we sing when we sing praise songs, we sing hallelujah, or the, you read in the Old Testament, they, or even in the New Testament, and they sing hallelujah. That's, that's two words that are chopped or combined together. It's hillel, which is to praise or give thanks, and yah, yah, which focuses on Yahweh God. So it's giving thanks or praising to God. Now, it's not probably a big surprise, although we don't link the two words together in our language is so much, but it's not a big thanks, a big, big surprise that the idea of giving thanks also leads to praise, right? Because if you're thankful, you're also going to sing the praises of somebody. Those two ideas are harmoniously kind of blended in the Hebrew word. So why is Thanksgiving such a big deal? We just went through a week of it and we focused on it. I think giving thanks or the attitude that we have on Thanksgiving is, is one way of taking our spiritual temperature. For example, if you're, if you're thankful for a relationship, you're probably feeling pretty good about that relationship. It's one way of see, seeing the barometer of that relationship is how much you're thankful for it. Um, it's another way of, of seeing how healthy the relationship is because relationships should be based on mutual love and sacrifice and mutual appreciation for one another and mutual support and respect. So all these things are reasons why Thanksgiving is such a big deal because it helps us to see a bigger picture of a relationship. One of the things that is also evident in a relationship, if, if there isn't an attitude of thanksgiving, is, is and what you, what you have to wonder is why. And the lack of thanksgiving uh, shows that there's probably a problem. In, in the Old Testament, God's people are constantly referred to as his children. And one of the things that the prophets constantly talk about is that they don't have a proper attitude uh, of thanksgiving. They're actually considered to be ungrateful. And, and one of the things that we really don't want our children to be, and one of the things we constantly try to work with our kids on is helping them and teaching them that they need to be thankful. So like they're sitting there playing on the floor and, and, uh, and Jack, my one grandson, actually shares a toy with Ari. Now the instinct, instinct of a three-year-old is that, is that to share, you know, actually the instinct of a, a three-and-a-half and a, a four-and-a-half is that right? Three and four and a half. Is that pretty close? Three and four and a half year old. Okay, so the instincts on that are usually the, the, the moment one, one grabs it, the other one suddenly what? Wants it. But when they're actually, they actually have a moment where, where, they act, where they share. Now, we used to do this with our boys, and, and so here's one of the things that uh, Craig, Craig, Craig used to say um, when they would have, because we had, we had twin boys, so we were always very sensitive to one getting thing and not the other. So when we, when we bought stuff, we never bought just one because what, what is that? That's a fight, right? So we always bought two. And, but in spite of the fact that we always bought two and one was usually one color and another one another color so you could tell which one was that. A lot of times, uh, Craig, would, one, one of the, uh, was it, Craig would receive it and, and he'd look at it and he'd, and he'd look at Ryan's and now a lot of times they were the same exact thing. He'd say, here Ryan, here Ryan. Now that wasn't as much a generosity as it what he wanted to trade because he thought I'm still getting ripped off. So I, need, I need to get the other one. And that's just human nature. That's part of our problem. 
But, but one of the things we teach, seek to teach our kids is to, be, is to be grateful and to be thankful. So when a moment when Jack would actually uh, reach over and hand something to Ari and give it to him and do that for him, um, we would tell Ari what? Ari, you need to say, say what? Thank you. And then, and then we say, Ari, say thank you. And, 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 then, and then, then it's kind of like a forced thank, thank you, right? So it's like, say thank you. you know, and, then, and, then, and then what does is, what is the kid? It's like, thank you. you know, their, their hearts are really into it, right? And that's not quite what we're trying to get at, really. I mean, what we really want is a genuine attitude from the heart that expresses appreciation for what someone else has done. That's what we're really hoping for. But we'll take the forced thank you if we have to because we're, we're doing what? We're teaching. We're, getting, we're, getting, we're trying to make a point and we're trying to create a habit. So, so all those things are good. The problem is that, that we all struggle with it. One of the things that Paul says in Romans, he gives a long list in the first two chapters of Romans about how people who, are, uh, who were kind of adopted by God, the people of Israel, God's people, they, they had problems in, in relating to God. They, they didn't get it right. And then the people who weren't a part of Israel, the, non, the non-Jewish people, they also didn't get, get it right. And he kind of has this list of all the ways in which they're getting it wrong. And one of the things in this list of really horrific things is it gets to the bottom of that list and it says, neither were they what? Thankful. <clears throat> and, and the problem, the idea is, that God, who is the maker of everything, the giver of life, has given us life itself. And our, our core attitude, our core attitude needs to be of, of everything that we have and everything that we are. One of our foundational attitudes needs to be an attitude of thankfulness. So, so now you're at the place where I've kind of guilted you into it, right? It's like, okay, so you're like this now. Thank you, Jesus. You know, okay, so that's that what I was getting at? Not, not quite. But that, that's, a, that's a part of it, I mean, in terms of getting there, because what he says is, and this is my second point, is that, that how do we really get to the place where we have a genuine attitude of thanksgiving? And he says, it starts out in verse 9, for this reason also, since the day we have heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to a glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. So there's this list of things that precede a great attitude of thanksgiving that, that, that are, are listed by Paul and that I think are really good encouragements for us here. One of them is that we're filled with the knowledge of his will. And, and knowledge has to do with understanding. And one of the things that, that is the, a, great, a great help in the Christian life is knowing that, that, the, that Jesus said, the thing that will set us free is the truth. A, a lot of times just trying to muster up the self-determination or the will and all those things to make things happen in, in spiritual disciplines are good. I mean, we, we do our best to make those things happen. But the thing that really transforms us is the truth. And the truth 
is what Paul pleads for us here. The knowledge of his will. And, the knowledge, and, and God's will for us is that we experience, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it what? In its fullest sense, abundantly. And God's will, God's plan for us is experience his joy, his peace, his grace, his love, his mercy, and to enjoy the creation that he's given to us. So the knowledge of his will is not something that is heavy. Jesus says, my load is easy, my burden is light. The knowledge of his will brings us to the place where we surrender to his grace and are transformed by the inside out, by his love, and, and, and experience peace um, because we are made right with him. The knowledge of his will then brings us into the place where we're obeying, we're walking, we're seeking to live in obedience to the truth because his truth and his word sets us free. And we're living in community because that's his family. We're finding hope and joy and we're having relationships and we're serving and doing his will as we're carrying out his mission. So the knowledge of his will is what is transforming us in the area of our mind. One of the things we seek to do with our kids as well, is teach them to be transformed in their minds. And one of the things that's really to some degree an impossibility is trying to help kids understand what it means to be a parent. Now, if, if, when we're children, we look at things one way. But when we become parents, we see things from an entirely different perspective. And one of the perspectives is, is, that, is that you, as you are involved in the parenting process, you are also kind of reliving your childhood through the eyes of your children. And one of the things that, that, you, that happens when you become a parent is you have a new appreciation for what? What your parents actually did and what, what your parents actually uh, accomplished in behalf or for you. Because a whole boatload of things happen way before you even have knowledge and memory. Lots of really not, not kind, not, not nice things. <laughs> and uh, changing diapers, waking up in the middle of the night, cleaning up kids' messes, um, and, and, uh, and that's just beginning feeding all kinds of hours with our kids. Uh, one of the things that, because they were, we, we had twins, they were born, you know, and, and, and our boys both didn't sleep very well, and they were, they were actually, we had colic on, on one, both of them kind of had colic in the early things. So, I mean, at one point, we weren't getting more than a few hours of sleep a night, and Mary even less than me. They were feeding back and forth on a regular basis, and, uh, and, and so for the first little, for the first couple years, it was, it was just, and it, it can be the, like this as a, as a parent of young children, whether they're twins or not, it, it just, one of the things that defines your life is exhaustion, okay? Now, maybe you're saying, I got teenagers, when, did, when does this end, okay? I'm not sure. Just, just keep on going. That's just, that's just my encouragement for you. But one of the things you, you learn as a parent is appreciation for what your parents did for, did for you. And the more you grow in knowledge, the more you grow in understanding about what, what, what it means to be a parent in terms of responsibility and in terms of sacrifice and in terms of hard work and all the things that, what that means, 
then you have a new sense of appreciation, hopefully, for, for what for what your parents have done for you. Likewise, when we have the knowledge of the will of God, when we understand what God has done for us, then it transforms us from the inside out. So he says, I pray that you're filled with the knowledge of his will because the truth sets us free. He prays that we will have wisdom. He prays that we will have understanding, which is the application of that wisdom. He prays that then we will actually go out and do stuff with that. It's not just understanding and up here. Then he says, uh, so that you will walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. So the walk worthy thing is, is, a, is a genuine response of behavior to, to what God has done for us. And if you're, if you're a Christian, then, then one of the things that you, you, you seek to grow in is a continually is continually understanding more and more about what God has done for us and seeking to more and more live in light of that knowledge. Then, continuing, he says, so we walk worthy, and but the worthy walk doesn't end right there. Then he says, continue to grow in knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is a continual attitude of dependence upon God and growing and walking with God. So that you may have great endurance and and patience. Endurance and patience comes in because sometimes this road is difficult. This also is really important to understand before we get to Thanksgiving. Why does he talk about endurance and patience before he even talks about Thanksgiving? Why would we give thanks when we're in the middle of doing, doing the process of endurance and patience? Because endurance and patience involves what? Challenge. Endurance and patience, endurance and patience involves what? Sometimes pain. It's, it's, it's we're, we're in the middle of the struggle. And, and a lot of times when we think of Thanksgiving, we think of a, a, a just a, a moment response of, of what we're experiencing, how we're feeling at that moment, which is whether it's good or whether it's not. Um, and, and usually we associate Thanksgiving with the good feelings. But what he says is we're being strengthened with all power so that we might have endurance and patience. Then he says immediately after this, joyfully, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in, in, in light. So what you see here is a couple aspects to thanksgiving. It's the past, what God has done for us. It's the present, how we're dependent on him and we're growing and we're living and we're walking in relationship with him. And it's also the future. And what this is the acknowledgement of in past, present, and future, first of all, past, is this is the acknowledgement of a great rescue. Now, one of my, um, so it says in verse 13, he has rescued us. Where did he rescue us from? Why did we need, need rescuing? He rescued us from the domain of darkness, and he brought us into the light. He transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. That's present. He rescued us, past, because we were in the domain of darkness. He transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. That's our present situation. We're walking and living in the kingdom. Not fully fully, uh, arrived yet, but experiencing the first fruits of it. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's our present. And so what this is, this Thanksgiving involves a profound acknowledgement 
of where we were in, in, in the kingdom of darkness, where we are now transferred to the kingdom of his son because we've accepted this gift of grace. And then uh, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We look forward. He's transferred us to the kingdom of, the, of his son. We, we look forward to where we are going and the final fulfillment of all the kingdom means. Because has the kingdom fully arrived? <laughs> we ain't there yet, folks. We're, we're still... We're still in the middle of the struggle. So this Thanksgiving thing has to do with the past, it has to do with our present, and it has to do with our future. So, so one of my friends was involved in this rescue thing, this, this rescue aspect from the past, first of all, is really core to having an attitude of Thanksgiving. So my, my friend uh, has, has, has a boat, like a boat for fishing on Lake Michigan, which is the bigger boat, like a salmon fishing boat. I don't know. I don't know. I'm always not very good with feet. I'm guessing here to the wall, something like that. What would that be? 30 feet, something like that. Um, you know, the kind with the downriggers, the six poles and the weights that go way down deep. It's designed, and we, you can go in, you know, six foot waves. It's, it's a bigger boat. He's really familiar with, Langs, with Lake Michigan. But he also has done a lot of boating and fishing in Lake Superior. Very familiar with Lake Superior. Lake Superior fishing is another level. That's, that's uh, above the UP. And Lake Superior is far, is much colder and is, and is a little more dangerous because of just because of the water temperatures and such. So, so my friend had been fishing and visiting and camping up in the, up in the Upper Peninsula, and his campground was, he, was get, he had his boat already on the trailer. Um, he had it pulled up from the boat launch, and uh, he, he was just kind of drinking a cup of coffee, getting ready to get in the car, and the sun was going down. Uh, it was about a half an hour. The sun had just set, and so that means it's about a half an hour before darkness, and, and he's just sitting there looking out, and, and it's windy, and he, he's just looking out on the water, and he sees probably about a quarter mile out, he sees uh, uh, he, what catches his eye is movement, and it happens to be a paddle. And, and, and somebody's out there waving a paddle, and he, he, he recognizes that, and he sees it, and, and so he zeroes in and locks in on it, and he sees, uh, he's, what he notices is, because the, there's waves, and as the waves comes up, what he picks out and realizes is there's a canoe out there, and, and as it comes up again, he has a better picture of it, it looks like a dad and two little guys in this canoe. And the waves are big, and, and the canoe is not, not moving too shore, it looks like it's moving farther away. Now, now, this is really dangerous because you, can only, you, you can't last very long in this water. He, he, uh, he, he, calls, he calls Coast Guard. And he just immediately recognizes the situation for what it is, calls Coast Guard, and, um, and Coast Guard says, we are, we are an hour from getting a boat out there. And he knows that actually if, that, if something happens in that canoe, those people will be gone. They will, they will die. He, he knows that it's going to take half an hour, 45 minutes to him to get his boat back off, his, that big boat off the trailer to the boat launch, and he knows that's too long. And he sees a canoe, um, a larger canoe with one of the flat backs that, that uh, is not far, just kind of resting on the beach. And, and, he, and he realizes that one of the things, so he grabs a portable radio, and he, he grabs the canoe. It's got a little motor. He grabs a motor, throws it on, and, and he says, I'm going to go out and kind of just go out as the sun's going down. I'm going to try to keep an eye on this canoe as it's out there to try to 
keep an eye on the position, and then I'm going to have my radio, and he's telling this to Coast Guard. I'm going to go out to, co- I'm going to kind of just position myself so I can keep an eye on their position, so that, but I'm not going to get too far from shore. So he motors out and uh, a, little, a little ways, and it's getting darker, and it's getting darker. As, he, as he's motoring out, he's telling the Coast Guard his name. He's telling the Coast Guard what clothes he's wearing because he knows that that's how you identify a body. He's telling his clothes, he's telling the Coast Guard what he's doing, but he's also trying to tell him, I'm going to try to be safe. So <clears throat> he gets, he gets uh, you know, a few hundred yards out, and he sees, he sees what's happening, and he also sees that their canoe is about to, it, 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 he also notices, then, then finally their canoe goes down, and now he has a choice. It's about 15 minutes, to, about 15 minutes, it's going to be dark. He knows they're not going to find him. He has flashlights and stuff, so, so he just decides, we're going for it. As, as a, one of the guys from the beach uh, saw what he was going to do and decided to jump in. So, so the two guys in, the, in this larger canoe, they, they, they're riding the waves as they're going up and down, They've, and they, 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 they just decide, let's just go. They, they pull up to the side of the canoe as it's, it's kind of halfway submerged, and they, they get, uh, by the timing of the waves, they get one boy in, then they get the other boy in, and then, then they get the dad in, and just at that moment, the, canoe, the, the other canoe goes under, and now they start motoring back, but now you have five people in this canoe, and, and it's, it's dark now. It's dark. And, and they're motoring back, and, and he's just, he, he knows what he's in for, um, and and uh, and just as he's he's uh, he's motoring back, uh, a wave comes over from the side, overtakes his canoe, and his canoe start his canoe goes down. So and, and then it rolls over, and he he says, "Okay, everybody, we've got flat. So, so everybody, hold on to the side. Everybody, join hands." And they're all sitting on their canoe in, in the water as they're joining hands over the canoe. They're, they got the little kids. They're trying to keep them close. They got the you know. And just at that moment, um, a boat pulls up who happened to be a boat that was within a, half, a couple of miles of that situation, heard the call from the Coast Guard, the radio call from Kurt, go to Coast Guard, called Coast Guard and said, we're in the area, tell me where to go. Coast Guard guided them to the position, and then when they were in the area, they, 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 they shined their flashlights, and the, the guys on the canoes, Kurt shined his flashlight, and, and, and th- just at, at really at, that, at, the, at the nick of time, really, the boat pulled up, and they were able to get him out of the water, and they all got into the water. Kurt said when they, when they, when they pulled him out of the water, he tried to, you know, tried to get, you know, he tried to, like, you know, they lifted him, and he tried to get his leg over to the side of the boat, but when he, when he tried to do that, he couldn't because his movement from his body, from his chest down, had already stopped. What that means is you're, you're getting in, into hypothermia, and you don't have, he, really what that meant is they, the, the people that got him got him only within a few minutes of, of them all, all dying. Um, the dad and, and uh, the two sons have always been profoundly grateful to my friend Kurt. It's one thing if you, if you do something with, with a degree of naivete. It's another thing if you step into a risk fully knowing what, what all that you're in for. I, I happened to hear a, a talk by a guy who, who won the Medal of Honor a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things they said about the Medal of Honor is, that he's, and somebody asked this question, so what is the difference between like the Bronze Star or some high medal and the Medal of Honor? And the guy said, well, and, and he had received the Medal of Honor um, from the president um, from, from his action in Vietnam, but he, only, he received it like in 2014, just like a year and a half or two years ago, President Obama had given it to him. They, they found his story and get, awarded it to him just a couple years ago. 
And, uh, and he said, well, one of the things that they, they say that the Medal of Honor is, 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 is about is that if, 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 they, if you were to deny doing or, or deciding to not do what you were doing, nobody would fault you for it. Meaning, you, you took a risk above and beyond what normal people would say would be reasonable or rational. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like I, ain't, I ain't going there and doing that. It's like, I see that. I'm, I'm with you there. No, this person steps up and does something that, that, that even rational people would say that's, that's over and above. He, he received the medal for going in after and rescuing eight guys after his entire helicopter squadron had been uh, decimated and, and they had lost a number of men. Um, and uh, when, when they were all taking off, they thought everybody was evacuated. And then they said, no, there's eight more guys on the ground. So he, he, he said, okay, I'm going. So he looped back around and picked up the eight guys. But um, when he did it, the helicopter isn't designed to hold that many people. Um, and there were the only eight guys left. And there was, there was nothing else he could do. So he just got them all aboard. And, and uh, when he was trying to take off, he couldn't take off with that much weight, and he had to get going with a certain amount of speed, like 40 miles an hour. So he actually went down a gully, like a dry gully. It was a gully, like a stream gully, but it didn't have water in it. And he was actually, you know, as, as they were shooting at him at both sides, his helicopter was bouncing in the dirt as he was trying to get speed with the eight guys on board uh, to, uh, to, uh, to get the thing off the ground. Finally, they got it off the ground, got it airborne, and... So when you hear about amazing, great rescue stories, one of the things that has to affect you as someone who, who has been rescued is, is a great attitude of appreciation and sacrifice. When we think about the fact that Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness that we each have willingly rejected God, that we walked away from God, that we each uh, deserve to be separated from God, and the result is that we are eternally separated from God. By rights, we should have left, that. we should have stayed there, and we had no ability to fix that situation ourselves. By rights, we should have stayed there, but God comes, and that's what we're going to be celebrating and thinking about all through Christmas. God comes on a rescue mission, enters into this world, fully God, fully man, rescues us from the domain of darkness, lives a sinless, perfect life, never sins. The only person's the only human that's ever been able to do that lives a sinless, perfect, perfect life. And this, instead of, of feeling the and having and experiencing the full uh, enjoyment of the relationship of never having sinned with God, goes to the cross voluntarily in my place for my sin. And then resurrects from the dead to show the victory over sin as my substitute, and then offers that to me as a free gift. And when I accept that, one of the ways that I should be affected, transformed, is to be grateful. In him, verse 14 says, we have redemption. We, the forgiveness of sins. I think one of the ways in which we grow in an attitude of thankfulness, even if we've been Christians for a long time, is gaining a, a continual and new and refreshed uh, perspective that helps us understand 
that the depth of the sacrifice of Jesus in our behalf and what that means, the profound truth of him setting us free and giving us his righteousness, this great substitution, all of our fallenness goes to Jesus on the cross. All of his righteousness comes to us. We deserve judgment and Jesus gives us his gift. So what we do as Christians is we spend our lifetime growing in the knowledge of his will with all spiritual understanding, walking worthy of the Lord, seeking to fully please him, bearing fruit in every good work, going out from this place and seeking to say thank you, Jesus, and then perf- uh, do acts of kindness and serve and walk with Jesus as, the, as, the, as, the, as our hands and feet express our heart. And then growing, coming back, growing in the knowledge of God, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And that's his ongoing strength so that we can have great endurance and patience even through the difficult times, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, and in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray.